So, dude, uh, I got to get the update from you. I watched a little bit of the game, but couldn't do it through English. Uh, you watched it. So, first thoughts, Barcelona, Atletico Madrid. Really an exceptional game to watch because even though it was basically penalty kicks and uh, one nutmeg of, you know, Diego Costa. Ugh, Costa. The, well, you know, Tyrion Lannister can only keep the ball so far in front of him. I, I must say this. That match was everything you want to see from Diego Simeone and how he set up the defense. And Carrasco was tremendous in this game. But the thing that I loved seeing was how much the refs get involved. I mean, it was like too much involvement. Yeah, no, I mean, honestly, that game should be one-to-one. Diego Costa missed that penalty. Ter Stegen made a great save. By the way, if that wasn't the two best goaltenders in the world, I I don't know who they are. I mean, I, I love... I love Courtois. I mean, of course, you have Allison. You know, people talk about all these different goaltenders, but All Black and Ter Stegen in that game, even though it was a two-two game, they both showed what incredible players they are. I always want to ask you if you think O Black is the best goaltender in the world. Yeah, he is. And here's here's what's interesting about Atletico Madrid. And if you haven't had a chance to really watch them play, or you only watch the Liverpool games, which would show you what I mean. There's a reason that Diego Simeone is the best coach, period, end of sentence, in the world of soccer. Because he basically does it with whatever players he's given. And every time you're like, oh, Atletico's good, but it's because they have this player or they have this player. Then that guy goes away. Griezmann, Godin, boom, boom, gone. Different clubs, they don't really do that well. I mean, Godin's done well. Uh, Griezmann, not really. The only player that is truly needed for Simeone to run his his game is Oblak. And Oblak is the best goaltender. The reason we don't hear about him more so, I mean, we hear about him, but the reason he's not just like De Gea, where everybody hears about him, I mean, he doesn't play on a big national team. That's not his fault. That's just where he was born. But, God, he is so dominant. Um, and, 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 and Ter Stegen, uh, definitely, I mean, he almost saved that penalty. And yeah, that game should have been one to one. I wish Lawrence. I know this was one of. Was this one of the first games, uh, La Liga games, you've gotten to watch on BN Sports? Yeah, hooked up the BN Connect. It's 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 the thing. It's it's an exceptional tool to be able to see all of the La Liga action in real time. Some of these things archive, and those studio shows are pretty good. Well, look, Phil Shane and Ray Hudson to me are. The, the I love watching games with those two guys. Um, and uh, so I just wanted to get your reaction of the broadcast. Just the broadcast. I wish the game was more exciting. I mean, it was an exciting game, but, I, you know, like I said, the penalties. Uh, I, one of those wasn't a penalty. The other one, Costa missed. It should have been a 1-1 game. But uh, what did you think of the broadcast? Phil has an amazing broadcast style. At first, I turn it on thinking it's Dan Schulman. It's it's very comforting. It's very informed. Great voice. Great insight. Ray Hudson is a blast. The presentation 
is excellent. La Liga, as a production unit, does an exceptional job bringing you into the game with the angles that they present and the behind-the-scenes looks that you get. It's truly world-class stuff, not just on the field, but the way they do the production. Totally great. And, And with that, I should say, as we start the show now, as we usually have music, I kind of want to bring in Messi joining the 700 Club, but without Pat Robertson. Messi, the Panenka, and he does it with class. Well, football's poet laureate comes out with an absolute sonnet for the ages. His 700th goal, and it's typical Messi. The madness of Messi, where... The unpredictable becomes the expected. Of course, BN Sports presentation of La Liga with Phil and Ray. Ray was pretty reserved. Ray was, I I thought, well, if Messi would have scored that 700th goal on a free kick, Hudson would have ran across the field shirtless. Um, (laughs) It's... yeah, you know, it's interesting. Uh, Ronaldo, of course, has has more goals than Messi, but... uh, yeah, 700 is a huge number. Uh, and that's what's interesting is is I think we're starting to see, though, that Barcelona as a team is... N- it's tough to be hard on Barcelona. First of all, they tied Atletico, which is a team, might I remind you, that the Liverpool squad could not beat to go to Champions League. So, so that's all right. You know, they tied... A couple of days before, so now they're having to play catch-up in the La Liga title race. So now people are starting to panic. And they want to blame the coach, which is what they did three months ago, which is how we got into this situation. And honestly, who they need to blame is, is I don't think the defense is very strong. I think they go out and spend money on guys like Griezmann that they don't need, and they need better defense. I mean, Piquet's fine. He's serviceable. But when you slip over and check out their rivals, Real Madrid, and see what they are doing, you see that a team with a bunch of superstar names, when it comes right down to it, the defense is what helps. The defense is what makes it happen. And Real Madrid has been playing incredible defense since the restart. And, you know, now they're in the uh, proverbial driver's seat. Uh, thanks to what I think is amazing defense. And you're getting to see some of these legacy players step up. Uh, Marcelo has played incredible the last couple of games that he's been on. Uh, Of course, Sergio Ramos with not only amazing goals, uh, but also just amazing play in the back. Courtois has finally come into his own. He's not as good as Ter Stegen. He's not as good as Old Black, but he's still a top 10 goaltender in the world. Uh, and it helps that he's long. That's really what it comes down to. Is like just technically he's just big, right? He's just long. He gets to balls that other people wouldn't. But uh, something else I wanted to bring up as we're talking La Liga, and of course I've moved the conversation to Madrid, is the Madrid Mallorca game. And just a little aside, but something that I think is what one of the many things that I enjoy watching soccer is all the, of course, storylines, right? Sport is about entertainment. It's about story. It's about all these things. And Luca Romero, 15-year-old kid, youngest person to ever come on and play in a La Liga match, comes on for Mallorca. Uh, they were losing 2-0 to Madrid, but they played an excellent match. And honestly, when you talk about officiating in La Liga, 
That again was probably closer to a 1-0 match. Uh, there was a couple of ticky-tack calls for penalties that I think uh, weren't really there. But again, he comes into a competitive game. Uh, not only is his haircut awesome, going with the Billy Ray Cyrus look, but just his the maturity of a 15-year-old kid to come out and play against what I think is the best team in the world. Uh, and you know what, Majorca, you know, first year up, they're doing great. I mean, they won yesterday. They dominated Celta yesterday. And, and you know, so La Liga, I'm glad you're on the BN Sports tip. I'm glad you're getting to see more of these games, Lawrence, because to me, it's the best soccer in the world. As the restarts began and Bundesliga was back first, I, I found a lot of very interesting storylines with that that we'll talk about in a second. But, you know, this week, these games are coming fast and furious, and you can see some of the older, more mature players keeping up with this pace. It's an interesting concept. How do you balance this? I mean, I would have thought yesterday that Ansu Fati would have been in the game earlier. I, I You know, when you talk about these young players and then a 15-year-old for Mallorca and, and, and what that means, I you know, I, I've got to say that young legs and, and, and a fresh approach when there's three games a week, I mean, that's kind of needed right now. Yeah, no, and, and as we kind of transition to Bundesliga, I'll tell you this, Lawrence, and I'll just be honest. Now that we're playing like an NBA-type schedule, now that these guys are playing all the time, I forgot that Germany was still playing soccer. I've been so engrossed in La Liga and a little bit of Premier League. Uh, I haven't really been paying attention to what's going on in Germany because, you know, once Byron, once Byron won, I kind of tuned it out. But there's some great storylines going on there, and the battle for relegation is actually got two interesting teams involved. Okay, the Bundesliga represents a complete meritocracy this season. And if you look at how the standings ended up and the table as it ended up, you have 82 points won by Bayern Munich and 100 goals scored in the effort. And that's at the top. They hoist the salad bowl this past weekend. They're they're all excited. It's eight straight confirmed. Will it be nine straight? Probably. Could they win the Champions League? Ah, this is a good, good squad. It's a good squad. Right below them, a meritocracy. Strong young players. Holland and Jaden Sancho with Dortmund. And you see just below them Leipzig, Mönchengladbach finishing with that Champions League berth. The ones that fall out of the Champions League positioning were uh, Big Pharma, Bayer Leverkusen. And, you know, that's just, it's just, they did not finish the season. They, Kai Harvitz, he's excellent. Peter Bosch doing what he can. But it's not Champions League level for Bayer Leverkusen, and they will play for the Europa in this coming set of tournaments that will be when they restart all this. Um, Hoffenheim, kind of jumping up past Wolfsburg, does not have to play in the you know preliminary stages. Wolfsburg has to now do that. Freiburg was close. They didn't make that cut for European play. And then you got kind of this middle pack. But what's really just here is Schalke was terrible after the restart. David Wagner, like a yes. deer in headlights. And they end up 12th. We thought Mainz would be relegated, perhaps. They kind of cleared that in the past couple weeks before things wrapped up. And they're just one stop below Schalke. So that shows you really what Schalke represents below the two Berlin teams, Hertha and Union Berlin. But 
It was the relegation fight that you were talking about. You know, Paderborn, it was pretty much sealed that they would be going back down. Uh, Miss Fortuna for Dusseldorf as they fall down. <laughs> but it gives the opportunity for Werder Bremen to move up now with a two-match playoff Thursday against Heidenheim, the first leg. Then they'll do it again on Monday the 6th. And... The two teams that will be coming up are Stuttgart from the two, uh, the Bundesliga Deuce, as we like to call it, and Bielfeld. And Bielfeld, that's an interesting topic because it's a town that Germany acts like it doesn't exist. But they really (laughs) do exist, and they're on their way up. And, I I mean, I'm thoroughly into this. I, You know, watching Josh Sargent, the American player who's on Werder Bremen, you you don't want to see that story go down to the Bundesliga 2 league so it's it's going to be a cool thing to watch for the next couple of games as Bundesliga officially wraps up with that battle that playoff for who moves up and in Werder's case stays up and when you're talking about American players here's our here's our excellent transition I, I have to admit that I have been hard on the American on Captain America on Christian Pulisic I've been pretty hard on him uh, if you're one of the 11 people who've listened to all of our shows. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, but I tell you what, his play against Man City was incredible. Uh, that goal he scored was, I, it was, it was, it was amazing. I mean, he took on two guys, went all the way down, played a perfect ball, curving it around Ederson into the goal. I, I really gained a lot of respect for Pulisic because I, I sometimes don't have the most respect for the Premier League. I think it people give it a lot more um, uh, respect than it needs sometimes, especially I don't think some of the teams are that good. But I will say this, Pulisic has become a star and he is helping Chelsea win games. And I don't think if you replace him with somebody else on that team that they do the same thing. I like Mason Mount, but I don't think he's. I I, I don't think that they're replaceable. I don't think Pulisic is replaceable. I think he is a key component to Chelsea. And the Chelsea Man City game was interesting, not just because it was Chelsea Man City, but because of what it led to. And Lawrence, I guess uh, we should uh, go ahead and cut to the chase here. An amazing. Amazing season for Liverpool. Yeah, completely. And maybe even more so when you look at what they did in league play as Manchester City has been very strong in FA Cup and Champions League competitions. And I think it's best illustrated by... We talked about La Liga's great production group, but another great production group in the world of soccer is the Premier League Productions Group. And what they do is bring home all kinds of stories and interviews. And they had Robbie Fowler, Liverpool legend, joining them right after this news broke. You saw some great stuff with Jurgen Klopp right afterward that were interviews with Sky Sports that made its way to the American NBC broadcast. But but I think this sound that came from Robbie Fowler as he was joining Premier League Productions and some of the shows that they do after it was settled really does put it all in perspective. 
I think, uh, look, it is incredible. And I mean, I can't put it away just how, how good and how special this is because, I mean, right, he was just saying before about how many points clear of Manchester City are. Look, let, let's be honest, Man City are an incredible team. Man City are potentially going to win the FA Cup, potentially going to win the, the Champions League. Uh, and look, myself and Michael, we know how hard it is to go through a, a full domestic season unbeaten in a, in a cup competition. You know, Man City are on the verge of doing that. Uh, and that's, that's, that's an, a, a great side. And, and Liverpool are, are 23 points clear of, of an unbelievable great side. So that tells you everything that you need to know about Liverpool, just how good they are. And look, I don't even think it's really an argument now. This could be the best Liverpool team we've ever seen. Mo Salah, Mo Salah. Heaven is Anfield and God is Robbie Fowler. I swear to God, my kids sang that song from the uh, Champions League cartoon on, on Bleacher Report forever. And uh, I kept on having to explain to them why Robbie Fowler is God. Yeah. Bleacher Report. <laughs> Bleacher Report. <laughs> Bleacher Report. Because Bleacher Report won't have Champions League. That's a whole nother thing. Are we really oh. going to be only watching this on Univision? I Well, I could. I could because I, I'd be totally happy with that. But... Uh, Let's get it. Let's uh, well. Let's go back. Let's talk. Let's give it a little bit more gravity. Lawrence Liverpool, a, an amazing season, an amazing team. Uh, I was talking earlier that Diego Simeone is the best coach in the world. Some people say it's Jurgen Klopp, but I think one thing we forget is Jurgen Klopp has done an excellent job coaching what is probably the best team in the world as far as components, as far as players. I mean, Liverpool is strong up and down the roster. I remember seeing them here with the International Champions Cup at Levi's Stadium. They came and uh, right as they were building, like Wijnaldum had just joined the team. Mane was on the trip. Not all the players were on the trip uh, for those preseason matches that they you know traveled to the United States for that. But they now are doing these other tours where they are bringing more of what the full squad would look like. But back then, it was all kind of coming into focus, but you could see something special with the way that Klopp was. Just just the way he held his press conferences, the way he was on the training field. You know, like it was it was all very evident that this was going to go in a positive direction for them. This outstanding season in the Premier League, uh, the culmination, could it have happened last year? Yeah, sure. But it, you know, did manifest itself in a Champions League title. Now, this Premier League title. The point that Fowler was making, which I think is interesting, is Manchester City, while they've had league issues this season, and, you know, there's a lot of talent on that squad and and it's not done yet with regard to Champions League. I mean, I'm going through the Bundesliga, you know, standings and saying, well, we're talking about the next Europa League, the next Champions League. We've got to finish this one. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see uh, August 7th. We got some games coming up. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and make a couple of predictions. I think... Madrid, though, is in better shape than Man City. I think that they're going to win that game 2-0 and advance. Uh, Barcelona-Napoli. Barcelona has to win. If they do not win, I mean, if Setien gets that far, if Barcelona doesn't win that leg, if they don't win August 7th, then uh, he's done. I don't know who they're going to bring in as coach. I've heard even people saying that, oh, we're going to bring... we're going to bring in Pep. We're going to bring back Pep. I find that interesting. I'm sure Man City fans are not too pleased about that. Uh, I mean, Byron's going to dominate Chelsea. 
And then you have uh, Juventus and Lyon. And by the way, not to go into a whole dissertation about Italian soccer right now, but Juventus yesterday looked sharp. They played a terrible team. They played the high school version of Italian soccer, but uh, they played really well. Ronaldo had an incredible goal. Uh, and, you know, I think that they're they're really primed. So I think Champions League is going to be exciting, especially when we get to the next stage and it's just a single game um, knockout. It's going to be exciting. It's like the MLS playoffs with really good teams. <laughs> I like that. Uh, <laughs> but you want to talk about the preseason playoffs that are about to come are the prelude to the Liga MX Apertura. Oh, and yes. it's the Copa Port Mexico. And you got it. Friday night, 4 p.m. Pacific. Here we your go. Your debut against Dennis Farina and his Tigres Mazatlan. Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited for the new Mazatlan team. I mean, it was a very um, it was a very Baltimore Colts middle of the night Mayflower moving truck incident, but suddenly Morelia Monarchs became Mazatlan FC. And I feel bad for Morelia. But I am excited for Mazalan. And what you have in Mazalan is just for, for people who are just getting into Mexican soccer and don't even understand the geography. So Mazalan is actually a, the only team really that represents probably the stereotypical view of what you have of Mexico in your head. This is what's interesting. This is now a coastal team, right? So we're gonna it's gonna be interesting to see the support the amount of people that come out the amount of people that support this new Mazalan team most teams in Liga MX are in central Mexico they're all very close to each other except for maybe Tijuana and so this is the first real coastal team Mazalan is a beach town it's, it's a large town but it's a beach town it's it's more quintessential Mexico uh, again in the minds of most people who have only visited Cancun or, or uh, resort-style Mexico uh, cities. So it'll be interesting to see. They have a beautiful stadium. Uh, they've actually done a really good job in marketing. Uh, their, their marketing looks clean. Uh, they're bringing in some new players. I'm excited to see how they play against Tigris because, I mean, Tigris is a very good standard bearer. Like, if, if Tigris uh, loses one of these games to them, then uh, I think I think there's going to be a lot of excitement going into the next year for Mazalan. Yeah, it's interesting what franchise was heading there because the talk was if it weren't Morelia, perhaps it was Puebla, perhaps it was Carotaro, like that, that something was going to be lured there how it became Morelia, yeah. and, and you, I mean, you bring up an Ursae-like example, but like it, it, yeah, it, exactly. it was jarring, and still, I'm not saying it offers a hope that something different can happen now that you know the world is trying to get back to normal as best it can, and these games are being played behind closed doors. I mean, it's a beautiful stadium, and you talk about the fans that will eventually come out. Well, that'll all wait. And with this preseason uh, tournament that will head into uh, a really official Liga MX season, they're just using two venues, and it's eight teams taking part in what well, were just two venues. So they're they're not going to be traveling around like we're seeing in. Liga and Premier League, etc. So that's a good start to things. Uh, America Toluca also on Friday. I, I look forward to that. I mean, we, look, we have to be accepting of it's all going to be rusty. It's not going to be the Liga MX that we always talk about and love, but it's at least back in some form and they're the clubs playing each other. 
I think it'll be more wide open, which I can't even imagine Liga MX being more wide open, but I think that's what you're going to see. Um, and I think that teams, I think it's going to be much like the restart that we saw in Spain, where the teams that have the best defense and the teams that have the best goaltenders are going to be the ones that actually do the best with the restart. I think that that bodes well for Club America. I think Ochoa and just his years between the sticks is going to make them very competitive. And I know this is a preseason cup, but you know what? This is everything. This is the this is going to be North American soccer's return, right? This is going to be uh, something that is very important to not only the people of Mexico, but people here in the United States that follow Liga MX uh, and... I think we're going to see some amazing play because these guys are ready to play. These players are ready to play. There doesn't seem to be much concern. Uh, again, Liga MX, not the best run league in the world. I think that's fair to say, but they have taken precautionary steps that I think will allow this to be a safe return for their product. And they have good teams playing in this, and the stars are going to be out there. And I think we're going to see a really exciting brand of football, and I, I can't wait. I can't wait to see these teams again because the last game that was played in Liga MX before the shutdown, I thought was one of the best games I've ever seen, and that was a tie, uh, and Club America uh, played an excellent game, and, and I think that you know Liga MX, even though it's had a couple of issues on the bottom end of the spectrum, the Veracruz issues, trying to figure out how they're going to do relegation. You know, a lot of these questions still remain unanswered, but the quality of play is still there, and that's what this is all about, is quality soccer. Well, certainly, and also for us, on the west coast of the United States, being able to watch games in the evening again will be nice. That's a full day of this stuff, but with the Friday, July 3rd return, then July 4th, uh, Pumas taking on Cruz Azul and uh, Chivas and Atlas uh, facing off in the evening. That, that That's nice, but it's back to the Premier League for July 4th action that I'm so excited about. And, and I got to tell you, with Wolves and Arsenal squaring off, I like Nuno would just love it if we could send like a, uh, you know, a care package or like a, you know, a special, you know, uh, something, maybe a bottle of whiskey or something to Arteta to say, please go ahead, pl please play David Luiz and, and just see what Traore and uh, Raul Jimenez do. Just just please do it for us on this Saturday to come. I would I would just love that. And that, that man was beat on hard in the past couple of weeks but uh we we continue with that as the wolves are set to take on the gunners on saturday and I, it's just so many different things happening all at once right now with all of these leagues kind of coming back and playing so many games in a tight period of time i, I think we need to up our output as far as doing this show to kind of keep up with it yeah i mean we can honestly like we could honestly tape a show almost every day because there are so many good games on. And, uh, of course, the other other thing is is the bar is pretty low because even bad games we enjoy watching because at least we're back to watching soccer again. I, we don't have to watch uh, replays. I think I watched uh, like 100 Real Madrid replays. Uh, and, of course, when you watch on Real Madrid TV, which is one of the things I get on Fanatiz, 
Well, you know every game's going to be a, a win by Madrid. So <laughs> it's nice that I'll watch anything. I, I swear to God, I'll watch anything. And uh, so the bar is kind of low, but the games are actually really good. And even the Premier League games, like I said, the Chelsea Man City game the other day was incredible. So, you know, uh, I know a lot more people, even as some of us get back to work full speed, I know a lot of people are spending their mornings and afternoons at home. And uh, hey, take advantage of it. Watch some good soccer. Totally. And you can actually see Real Madrid live uh, on Thursday, the 2nd of July. Head to Fay. Let's do it. For Bo Byerly, I'm Lawrence Scott. Thanks for listening to Sound System FC. Sound System FC.